one another. And uh, we're going to deal with or introduce today that topic or idea of what the Bible says about how we're to treat one another. Now, I want you to know that this study uh, and the, the message is not motivated by anything I've seen in the church. Uh, there has not been anybody being you know, negative or derogatory towards one another. There's been nobody that I know of mistreating one another. I praise God for the testimony that Hunt Valley has. Hunt Valley has a testimony of being a church that loves each other. A church that uh, shows their love for one another, and, and it's evident, and uh, we praise God for that. Great to see Audrey here. One of the things that she says about this church is how welcoming she felt. She was surprised at how friendly God's people were here at, at Hunt Valley Baptist Church, and we're glad to have it. Dottie was the same way, and you know what? Dottie's going to be moving, uh, so I don't know. She might be here another week or two, but she's going to be moving, I think, to California, right? So she's, that's going to be a little bit far to drive to be here for church, but... <laughs> She'll, she'll be catching us maybe on the live stream. I don't know, but it's been good to have Dottie. But same thing. She said, man, the people of the church are so friendly. So I'm glad we have that testimony in Hunt Valley Hospitality. is not just something we say, but praise God we live it. And I appreciate each of you because when I say that, I say we, I'm, I'm including me because you guys do such a good job. Amen. I'm, I'm glad to be part of it. But uh, the, the Bible, the word of God with regards to this one another admonition uh, if you take those words put together, one another, it appears 57 times in the King James Version and uh, that in that exact format. But if you combine those two words, there's a lot of different places where it might say one to another or one of another or one for another. And if you take all of those places where the word one and another appear in the same verse, it's 547 times and appears in 238 different verses. The fact of the matter is God's concerned with how we treat one another. God's concerned with our interpersonal relationships. Out of the 100 times in the New Testament that the Greek word elion appears, 59 of them, and that is the word for the one another, the another that God is speaking to us, 59 of those 100 times that it appears in some way is a command or an exhortation for how God's people are to engage, behave, relate, or respond to one another. 59 of those times, it's, it's specifically talking about how we act with one another, how we're supposed to uh, treat one another. So this morning as we're talking about the ministry of loving one another, This really is an introduction to the study overall, but we understand that this aspect, although it is one of the admonitions, it is one of the places where the Bible says you're to love one another, this principle, I believe, is foundational to all of the rest. This principle, although there are many other aspects that God deals with specifically I don't believe that we're going to forbear one another unless we love one another. I don't believe that we're going to care, consider, or comfort one another unless first we love one another. So I believe that this principle of loving one another really is a foundational truth. It's a foundational truth for all the rest of the study. We've got to have this and understand it. You're in John chapter 15. We're going to, I'm going to be giving you a lot of scripture. You're going to need to get your pens out and start writing because the places in the word of God that we are admonished or encouraged or exhorted to love one another are numerous. 
I, I'm not even going to use them all. I have a whole list at the end of my document here of verses that I did not incorporate into this morning's message because I felt like it was just going to get too heavy, too many, you know, you just, you ever read a dictionary for entertainment? Okay, that, I, I didn't want that to be this morning. And so I left a bunch of them out, but we are going to look at a lot of them. But the main text is here in John chapter 15. That's what we'll use for our main text and our outline this morning. Um, but this foundational truth is very important. First of all, I want you to understand it's important because it was a command given to us. Look in John chapter 15 and verse number 12. John 15 and verse number 12. Would you read it with me? The Bible says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment, that ye love one another. Would you look down there in verse number 17? John 15 and verse number 17. Again, read it with me. He says, These things I command you, that ye love one another. I think that's pretty clear, that there's a command given to us, to love one another. Can I read a couple of other verses for you? He says in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. In Second uh, John chapter 1, and verse number 5, he says, And now I beseech thee, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And there are many other places that it's specifically stated as a command that we're to love one another. I believe that God wants you and I to love one another. Amen. That's something that should be present. In this kind of love, we're not talking about something that's uh, careless or haphazard or, or just uh, an expression, but it's a love that is real and it's practical and it's on display. We love each other even when it's hard. Not just when the sun's shining and when, when things are going good, but when it's difficult, when it's hard to love one another. Have you ever known somebody that had a laugh that was annoying? I mean, just their laugh. It was like just like fingernails on a chalkboard to you, you know? Something as simple as that, sometimes it can get under your skin. And I've heard people say it. They're like, man, I just can't stand his laugh. Like, it just grates me. You know, hey, we're supposed to love him. We're supposed to love her. Even when it's difficult, even when they do things that you don't like, even when they say things, they might have a habit that just that habit is just a burr under your saddle. Like, why do you got to do that? You know, maybe, you know, here's one with guys, you know, we, I believe when you shake hands, men, you ought to shake hands like a man. Amen. Okay. You ought to grab the guy's hand and you ought to, you ought to get a good firm grip and you ought to, you know, give a squeeze and let them know you're a man. You know, now you ladies will notice when I shake your hand, I don't, I don't squeeze down. I, I try and be more genteel, right? You know, uh, and so, but when you shake hands with a man, you ought to shake hands like a man. Now there's two things. That some men really get frustrated with. They really get frustrated with the fish. <laughs> you shake hands with a guy and every time he shakes hands, he's like, good morning. You're like, yeah, here, get in there, grab it. You know, shake hands. But then you got the other guy that are trying to prove every bit of manhood they got. Every time they shake hands with you, you know, it's like, we know you're a man. You don't have to kill me, okay? <laughs> they, they get in there and they just, they grab your hand and they crank down on that. They start winding it up, you know. <laughs> you're like, hey, we're just saying good morning, okay? You don't have to kill me. It's going to be all right. There might be some little things and a lot of times it's the idiosyncrasies that, that people have that bother us. But we're still supposed to love them, amen? It's a command. It's not optional. 
It's not something that we get to do or not do. God commanded it. The Apostle Paul repeated it. Let me read for you Romans 13, verses 8, 9, and 10. Romans 13, 8, 9, and 10. He says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Again, the idea of it being a command. It was the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. I think it's pretty clear in the scriptures that we're to love one another. And I know at times that's hard, beloved, but it is a command. We know that the Bible the word of God and really Christianity as a whole is rooted in love. Everybody knows that. I think if, if, if somebody asked every one of you here to describe Christianity in one word, I think the majority of you probably would come up with the word love. For God so loved. God is love. It's love that sent him to the cross for you and I. If you're going to define Christianity, what is it we're supposed to love one another? We're supposed to be a part of expressing and showing God's love to the world. That's what Christianity is. So, beloved, we see, first of all, the command here. And secondly, I want you to see the comparison. Look in John 15 and verse number 13. There's a comparison of God's love for us. He says, greater love hath no man than this. Then a man laid down his life for his friends. What an amazing thought to think about and ponder how God laid down his life for us. God gave us. He, you know, nobody took his life. He willingly laid it down because he loved us. But God committed his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He loved us. God willingly gave his life for us. Do you love somebody that much? Are you, are you willing to give something to show and express your love? God's calling. <laughs> he's got your number. And he's asking. He's asking. Are you loving the way God wants you to love? Or are you just loving when it's convenient? We see this comparison of God's love for us and how he gave it all. John, 1 John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. He's saying if God so loved us, if God loved us so much that he gave everything, he sacrificed it all, we ought to love one another that way. With the love of God. If his love is demonstrated by his complete and total sacrifice, how is your love demonstrated? Beloved, our love is not just to be a fuzzy feeling, a warm feeling of affection that we get to enjoy. You know, to love and to be loved is enjoyable. It does make you feel good. But you know, you really don't get to show your love until it costs you something. 
You really don't get to, to actually put your love on display until it takes some effort and some work. That's a fact of the matter is. And so, there's a comparison of our love for each other. Verse John 4 and verse number 20, the Bible says, If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. Love it, that's pretty strong language. He's saying, don't talk to me about how much you love me if you have aught in your heart towards a brother in Christ. If you have a problem with another brother or sister in Christ, somebody that you look at and say, well, I just can't forgive them for that. I just can't let that go. I'm going to hold this against them. Oh, I know that that is not necessarily right, but that's just what it is. I'm just because the way it's going to be. I just can't give it up. They're an idiot and they know it. And that's life. And that's the way it's going to be. He says, don't talk to me about how much you love me. You're lying to yourself if you have hatred in your heart towards a brother. You see, God's saying... Your love should overcome that. Read Corinthians chapter 13. Ponder and think about all the principles of love that are expressed there. We know God loves us that way. And we are to love our brothers and sisters that way. He says, if a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God and whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. You know, the world makes a comparison about our love as well. In John 13, 35, he says, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. The world makes a comparison. The world sees that love. And it speaks volumes to them. Because they understand the heart of man and the bitterness that enters and the, the turmoil and the anger that enters and the problems that arise. You know, one of the testimonies when they went to Belize, uh, they went to Belize and worked and were building a school. And here was a group of men from all different places in the country serving and working together, building this school. And they were con- different construction backgrounds, different skill sets, different levels of professionalism and uh, all of that. And these guys were just having a good time building this thing together and working together and praising God. And, and, and the, the, the construction company that Brother Whitaker had been working with the owner of this company for many years that provided a lot of the materials. He kept coming by to check on the progress and he was seeing these guys work together. And he asked about it. He's like, what's, who, these guys are like a team. They're a team from the states. And he's like, no, it's just a bunch of different guys. There's like this state, this state, this state. They're from churches all over. And he's like, man, they work together so well. And they get along. So how, how, how there's something different there. By the end of the week, that man said, there's something they got that the people on my cruise don't have. There's something different in their personalities and the way that they respond and relate to one another. It's something that I want. And that man trusted Christ. That's what he's saying here. He said the world's going to see that love. We're to love each other that way. Not only, beloved, is it foundational, but I want you to see it's supposed to be functional. It's a functional truth. The fact is, is our interactions are to be motivated by love, expressed through love and enjoyed in love. We see here in John 15, 14, that there's a communion. We're commanded, beloved, to love as God loves. And God said that he would be our friend if we obey his commands. In John 15, verse number 14, he says, ye are my friends 
if you do whatsoever I command you. But we've seen already that God said we're to love one another. Beloved, if we obey this command, God said we'll be his friend. What a privilege to be the friend of God. And all it takes is being obedient. Do, there's a communion there. It's, it's functional. That love that we have, the love that God has for us goes beyond. And we were talking about that in Sunday school today. The, the fact that we can build a friendship with God. We can have a walk with God. It's something that can go with us throughout the day. Not just uh, on Sunday morning or just first thing in the morning. But we're walking with God throughout the day. And He is impacting and changing our life. That friendship with God is growing. We can have that. God wants to be a friend with you. He says, my love for you should motivate you to be obedient. This communion that we can have with him will come through our actions. Beloved, the more time we spend with him, the more like him we will be. Loving others will not be something that's forced upon us or put on by us, but it's something that will become a natural outflowing of the God that's in us. Here's what you need to understand. When Jesus Christ came in and saved my soul, just like he did for you, we got a new nature. We got a new nature. And it's not me, but God that dwelleth in me. And sometimes we look at people and we say, I don't know how I could love them. You don't have to love them yourself. But what you can do is ask God, God, will you let your love shine through me? It might be too hard for you, but will you let your love shine through me? You know what? I'm a lot like my father, my natural earthly father. I'm a lot like him. I I walk like him. I talk like him. I forget things like him. You know, we, we're a lot alike. I'm built like him. And so I'm deciding how far to go with that. But <laughs> I'm a lot like my natural father. But do you know what? As Christians, we should start to be like our heavenly father. Because we have a new nature. And this love that we're to have for one another is not just something that we put on. Not just something that we work up, not, but it's something that comes from an outflowing of having that right relationship with our Father, and we start to be like Him. That love starts to shine through. It is, in fact, His work in our life. 1 John 4, verse number 12 says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. You see, his love is perfected in us. It's working in us. In Romans 5, 5, he says, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The love of God, the Holy Ghost is going to bring that love out. To me, that's very encouraging. That it's not something that I have to try and work up it's not something that I have to try and just like, boy, I know God told me I'm supposed to love him, but man, do I just. No, we can pray and say, God, would you let your love for him? Because we know God loves him. 
We know God loves him just how he is, just how she is. Laugh and all, whatever it might be. So we say, God, would you let your love for them shine through me? Let that come through. You see, beloved, that communion we have with God produces that love. And then we know that it's a choice. Look with you in in John 15, verse number 16 there. John 15, 16, he says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. What an amazing thing. I was talking to our Sunday school class this morning about the fact that God wants to walk with you. It's just an amazing thing to think. You are unique. God desires to have a relationship with you as an individual. Why would we deny him that? Why would we reject that? It's a choice that God made. God chose you just as you were. Just at, with all of your faults and failures and problems and struggles, God chose you. Who have you chose to love today? Who have you made the choice that I know that they're not necessarily lovely, but I'm going to love them anyway? I'm going to love them anyway. You see, you and I got to make a choice to love others. God's nature is in us. But we've got to embrace it. We've got to choose to be that. Let, let God's love shine through us. You've known lots of young people that they'll do anything they can to not be like their father, right? They're like, man, I'm not doing that because that's what dad used to do. Or I don't, I don't want to be anything like my father. I want to be completely different. I don't, you know, there's some animosity in his heart or uh, problems there when they were growing up. And so they despise their father and they don't want to be like him at all. But hey, we ought to want to be like our heavenly father. We have a desire for his nature, that new nature that's in us to, to come out. So you've got to choose to embrace it and ask God to allow it to come out. First Peter 1, verse number 22, he says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. You know, beloved, ability plus opportunity Equals responsibility. Can you say that with me? Ability plus opportunity equals responsibility. That's what the Bible tells us. You say, where does the Bible say that? Let me show you. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. I'm going to read it to you, but if you want to look at it, 1 John 3, verses 17 and 18. He said, but whoso hath this world's goods... And seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see, we don't get to start showing our love until it costs something. The rest is just tinkling cymbals and sounding brass. It's just... Hey, brother, I love you. Oh, yeah, I know you have a need, but um, yeah, I'm busy right now. So talk to you later. No, the rest is just sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. I recently went to the hospital for somebody that was going into surgery. 
And they told me, I don't remember if it was 18 years or 28 years. They've been in church all these years, and in all these years, they've never had a pastor come to the hospital to see them. And uh, I told them, I said, for me, it's a privilege. Yes, it's an expression of love, but it's a privilege to be here in your hour of need. It's a responsibility I have as a pastor. I don't understand not doing that. I want to do that if people will allow me. Some people don't want anybody there, you know. I mean, it's a little embarrassing, those gowns they put on you, and, and, you know, you haven't, you know, all that goes with that. And I understand that. But if they want me there, I want to be there. We don't get to show our love just saying bye in the foyer right here and shaking their hand and say, yeah, I love you, brother. All right. If you need anything, call Bob Gamble. <laughs> you know, uh, you know. No, we say, man, if you need something, let me know. Do you really mean that? Are you taking your responsibility to love one another seriously, or are you passively neglecting it? One dear mother wrote, "We were the only family in." the restaurant who had children. I sat by my baby Eric when suddenly there in his high chair he squealed with glee. His eyes lit up with excitement and I looked around his room to see the source of his merriment. And there it was, a man with tattered rags for a coat, dirty, greasy, worn out. His pants were baggy and covered with filth, and his zipper was at half-mast. His toes were poking out of what would be shoes, and he was filthy all over. His nose was so varicose, it looked like a road map. He sat there flapping his hands and saying, hey, baby, hey, baby. Oh, oh, there's a big boy. Yeah, I see you. I see you, buster boy. My husband and I sat exchanging looks. Now everyone in the restaurant looked at us. Then at this man, this old bum that was creating quite a scene with my beautiful baby. His obnoxious taunts continued throughout the whole of our meal. He was obviously drunk. When finally we got through the meal and headed for the door, I literally prayed in my heart, Lord, just let me get out of here before he speaks to me. When I was passing by him, though, Little Eric leaned over from my arms, reaching with both of his in that way that a baby can only say, pick me up. Before I could stop him, Eric had propelled himself from my arms, and this man suddenly, very old, smelly man, was holding my clean and beautiful baby. My clean and beautiful baby. In an act of complete and total trust and filled with love, his tiny head rested on this man's ragged and dirty shoulder. The man's eyes closed and I saw a tear fall from beneath his lashes. His aged hands, full of grime and pain and evidence of hard labor, they gently, so gently cradled my baby. No two beings have ever loved so deeply for so short a time. I stood awestruck. The old man cradling little Eric in his arms for just a moment. 
Then his eyes opened and sat squarely on mine, and he said in a firm and commanding voice, You take care of this baby. Somehow I managed, I will. He pried little Eric from his chest, unwillingly, longingly, as though he were literally in pain. And I received my baby. And then he said to me, God bless you, ma'am, for you've given me the most magnificent gift. I said nothing more, but with Eric in my arms, I ran for the car. My husband, seeing me coming, was wondering why I was crying, but furthermore, he was wondering why I was saying, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. For I had just witnessed Christ's love shown through the innocence of a baby. A child who saw no sin, who saw no dirt, who saw no wear and tear of life. A child who only saw a soul. And here I was, a mother who could see nothing but a suit of filthy clothes. I claimed to be a Christian, but I was blind, but I was holding a child who could see. I felt the Spirit of God reach down into my very soul and say to me, Are you willing to share your son for just a moment when I shared mine for eternity? That is Christian love. It's easy to love here in church when everybody's cleaned up and life looks good. How many of you know that everybody's life in here is not as pretty as we make it out to be? We've got some struggles. We've got some challenges. There's some things in our lives that we would be embarrassed for the church family to find out. We would think, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be having this problem. I know God. I shouldn't be struggling with this. And we would feel bad that other believers knew we were enduring it. But I want, I want to ask you, would you be critical of that, Christian, or would you love them? Love them through it. God loves them. And we're to love them. Beloved, I want you to see lastly that it's a forgotten truth. Look in chapter 15 and verse number 20. He says, remember the word that I say unto you. He goes on and describes, he's given us a lot of truths thus far, but he encourages and exhorts them to remember it. To remember it. He describes and he talks, he gives a contrast here. If you back up at verse number 18 and 19, he gives a contrast of the hatred that you see in the world with that of the love of Christ. He says, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you are of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Beloved, don't take the world's rejection as personal. Before they hated you, they hated God. They're not going to know and they're not going to understand because the love of God is not in them. But the love of God is in our heart. So even though they hate you, we are supposed to love them. I remember the story of David Wilkerson, pastor that felt called to the gangs of New York. He left his church, his salary, went to New York to minister amongst the gangs on the streets and would spend his time walking the streets amongst all the gangs. And There was one particular leader 
of, one, of a particular aggressive gang. And if you've read, ever read this story, it's, it's just amazing what David Wilkerson had to endure on the streets of New York City as he strove to try and minister to these gangs. But he stood there with the leader of this gang and the leader pulled out his knife and he said, Preacher man, he says, I'm going to cut you. And he looked at this man's name. Help me, what's his name? Nick, Nicky, it was Nicky, I think you're right. Nicky Cruz, he looked at him, he says, Nicky, you could cut me into a thousand pieces and from the pavement every piece would be saying, I love you. I love you. That's the kind of love that makes a difference out there. We can stand in church and talk about how much we love one another, how much the love of Christ dwells in us, but are we carrying it to this world? Are we making a difference outside these doors? Is that love something that the world sees? You see, it's a forgotten love. We know about it. We live with it. But are we really putting it on display for the world to see? In conclusion, would you turn to Ephesians chapter 5? I want you to see this in the Word of God. Turn to Ephesians chapter number 5. Galatians, Ephesians. If you get to Philippians and Colossians, you went a little too far. To come back to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to ask the pianist to go ahead and come and prepare for the invitation. We'll be just a minute, but I want you to see this in Ephesians chapter 5. He says here in verses 1 and 2, he says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in, what does it say there? Love. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Christian, we're to be walking in love. This morning in Sunday school, we talked about walking with God. That's foundational to us walking in love. Letting the love of Christ shine through us. Our actions, our conversation, all should be tempered by love. Beloved, walking in love is... A teenager who refuses to join in the making fun of and mocking another student, but instead befriends and encourages him. Walking in love, beloved, is a husband and wife who have misspoken, maybe mistreated one another or taken each other for granted, but they decide to forgive and to let go and to restore their relationship. Walking in love is a brother or sister in Christ that when they're hurt by the careless actions of another, instead of being offended, they extend grace. That's walking in love. Walking in love is a child who knows his mom and dad aren't perfect. And instead of using that as an excuse to be a problem child and to create uh, hardship in the home, they determine to love mom and dad and serve them instead and to help them. That's walking in love. Walking in love is a senior saint whose love of their life has since long gone to heaven. And though you're lonely, you embrace and know the love of God 
and let his love show through you. Instead of focusing on your solitude, you focus on the opportunities for service. Where you can send cards and letters and phone calls and encourage others. That's walking in love. God calls us to walk in love, beloved. It's not just something that we talk about. It's not just platitudes. It's not just saying, oh yeah, I know the love of God. I know all about it. Walking in love is living it when it's not easy.